Gardening Radio. I'm Ray Burton and welcome to another Let's Talk Gardening podcast. Our mission is to provide listeners with interesting, informative topics and up-to-date information. My co-host is Faya Caro, an award-winning gardener, horticulturalist and media presenter. Faye's passion is educating people. Oh, and she loves bugs a lot too. My passion is simply beautiful, healthy gardens. And together each week, we cover many great gardening subjects. Saturday mornings come around again, and it's time for Let's Talk Gardening. Well, hello and good morning. I'm Gillian Bush and I'm keeping the, the chair warm today whilst Ray's having some time off. Firstly, thank you to Alan Simons for his early morning start with the breakfast program today. Great music, Alan. Now, today I have a co-presenter, Faye Arcaro, someone you all know well, a lady with more knowledge about bugs and shrubs, trees and bees, flora and fauna. She's ready and willing to answer your questions, give advice about your gardens, and she's on the other side of the, of the <laughs> desk. Good morning. Morning, Gillian. Lovely to have you here. We'll be gentle on you today. <laughs> it's pretty dangerous, I can tell you. Also, a very big welcome to Andrea Whiteley. She hails as a garden consultant, a blogger, a garden presenter, who will have the other microphone next door to Faye. Good morning, Andrea. Thank you very much, Gillian. It's wonderful to be here. Oh, this is going to be great. My goodness, it looks like we've got all bases covered this morning. Our PA is Bev on the other side of the glass, answering the telephone. Good morning, Bev. And John Glidden, our go-to guru on his computer to back us up on any curly bits of information. And great to have him here as well. Now, we have emails to get through. Uh, it's going to be a busy day, so fingers crossed that I get to push all the right buttons. <laughs> <laughs> Perhaps I should have Ray sort of sitting on my shoulder. <laughs> She's with you in spirit, Gillian. <laughs> I'm sure she is. Now, our telephone here is 94841927 for your queries, and our email address is gardening at curtainfm.com.au. So, looks like we're going to have a lot of fun this morning. We are, we are. <laughs> so can you sort of give us a bit of a rundown on uh, what we might have today? Well, Andrea is here today to talk to us about preparing your garden for summer. Now, if you looked out the window now, you wouldn't think we needed it too much. But uh, Andrea, I reckon this is the time of year where we get lulled into a false sense of security. We see all the pretty things. We start planting them out. And we actually might not think about the 45 degree days, the easterly winds and how we're going to manage <laughs> when things change. Absolutely. <laughs> and uh, changes are coming. <laughs> <laughs> well, they sure are. It, it looks like we're going to get showers of rain today. So best of luck for the people who've got their open gardens. And we'll talk more about that later. But Andrea is also going to talk to us about plants in pots and seasonal container gardening. Now, she has coined the term the phrase thriller a filler and a spiller and wow. it's one that rings in my ears whenever I'm thinking about potting up plants I must confess that I have stolen it from my dear friends in America but I'll That's take okay. it you brought it to Australia and I I love it and we're going to talk about veggies to plant now plus everything else we are waiting to take your calls we love curly questions and we've Absolutely. got John Glidden out there 
ready to to research anything that we might not be able to answer. And this really is the most exciting time of the year, isn't it? It's um, when everything's starting to wake up and um, we're seeing lots of yellow in the in the bushland at the moment. It's a beautiful time of the year. And um, the wildflowers are just incredible this year with all the rain that we've had. So um, that sort of heralds for us home gardeners that it's time to get stuck in and get ready. Oh, Andrea, I've been taking bushwalks almost every day this week. And every day there's something new. I've got a hemodorum that's popped up in my bushland and I think it's the first. That is a blood root. Yes. It's part of the Tucker Bush range and it's not something that I've seen in my garden. And in have you used years. it in your cooking? No, no, I don't I don't pull plants out <laughs> of my bush. And I've got orchids. Yes or this week I found the first pink fairy orchid that oh, I've seen for fay. years. There's enamel orchids, there's the yellow cowslips, donkey orchids. I'm yet to see a spider. I don't know where they've all gone. But what has changed the last two or three years, I've been seeing wide leaves and they're, they're sun orchids. There's a leopard orchid and a blue sun orchid. Well, they're I guess they're amazing. just adapting to to the, the way the climate's changing mm. and, you know, with the, the soil's getting warmer and, you know, probably nature is just uh, responding to that. Well, it is amazing because... I know most of my bushland and I trek the same pathways pretty much all the time so I don't interfere and step on other parts of the bush. Some of these orchids are just a single leaf and you do not see anything until that flower spike comes up. It's incredible, isn't it? And you just have to be super observant wherever you go because you just never know what you're going to find. It's so exciting. You You could hone in on a little patch of orchids only to find out that you're stepping on on others but what has changed the the canopy changes sometimes the banksias will lose a branch and they will drop fungi grows it changes that environment it stops me walking in that patch and then that's sometimes when the orchids pop up in that area so best thing that I do is leave the the fallen branches exactly where they oh, are absolutely. and let them feed the and soil. And I guess we're learning more and more about the the effect of fungi in soil and I've, I've been just uh, glued to uh, the TV with this fantastic show about fungi at the moment But and I just keep watching it all the time because it's just so fascinating and the more that we learn about the soil uh, the better our gardens will be and the more good tucker that we add to our soil the better our home gardens are. I, I'm sure Jill Hurd is out there listening to us and Jill we're thinking of you this week and I'm sure that you will be absolutely thriving on all our native plant talk. Now Gillian you and I have already talked about native plants and we'll come back to that. Absolutely. It's, <laughs> uh, I was given a harsh lesson the other day. Now may I first say that the governing show is sponsored by Datso Mulch. Make your garden grow with Datso available at all leading garden centres and datso.com. They're in well, Wongan. Yes. In oh, Hills, yes. Wildflower right. country. What was your harsh lesson, Gillian? I went looking for some uh, some natives as I've got about a 40 metre on the side <clears throat> uh, uh, verge. And uh, so I toddled off into the Bundu of Byford, I think it is, and I spoke to a very resourceful lady and I was skiting about how well my grevilleas were going. They're all in bloom, there are bees, there are birds, the whole shooting match. And she said to me, oh, what are they? So I could remember a few names. And then she said, well, Gillian, I'm a- sorry to tell you, <laughs> but you're catering to the eastern seaboard birds, love it. 
oh. <laughs> <laughs> and then she said to me, well, what sort of soil have you got? What, yellow or grey? And I said, well, I've got grey. It's, you know, she's all perfect. So I bought some little tiny tubes and I'm nurturing them away and saying, come along, darlings. <laughs> what, what have you got? West, West Australian natives, no uh, doubt. The Malalukas. Ah, mm. yes. Mm. yes. So, and one I can remember, of course, is the Hakea um, pincushion. Which is it's a, very a, popular. A, it is. It's very hard to get. Is it? Mm. Well, do you know, I think a lot of things have become harder to get since COVID. Like... Mm. The stocks of plants have just gone out the window. Well, there's they? only so much time that you have to propagate plants, and if everybody's gardening, which is fantastic, so exciting, um, then there's a big demand on plants, and there's only so much that the growers can provide. But there's plenty to go around. There's still plenty to buy, Faye. I never have a problem with buying plants. <laughs> Do you? <laughs> well, no, no. In fact, I have a rule, Andrea. I'm not allowed to buy more plants until I've planted the ones I got. Oh. And yesterday I had a bit of a reality check because I decided if I wasn't going to plant them straight away because I wasn't sure exactly where they were going, then I would pot them on so that, you know, they didn't get bonsai in their pots. And, oh, fair and, enough. You know, mm. when the warm weather comes, they can dry out if you take mm. that your eye off the ball. True, true. You do, can. That's certainly. Now, we've got um, a lady from Bentley, and her name is uh, Lynn, and she wants to talk to us about a citrus tree borer. Uh, so, over to you, ladies. Yes. Good morning, Lynn. Oh, good morning. Now, I've got a good morning to you all. Hello, Lynn. I, a, I, had, um, I had a 40-year-old lemon tree, and it wasn't looking too good and I sort of thought it might have been the ground so I sort of spruced the ground up a bit but it's actually died on me and I did send Faye some photos and they look like they've got bullet wounds in them like someone shot at it but it's absolutely impossible because they've got big fences all around our place. Mm. I did Google it and I'm just wondering whether there's a citrus borer well, yeah, there definitely yeah. is, and it's Andrea here. Um, it, there definitely is. And, you know, a really fun way to find out if you do have borer is to get an old wire coat hanger <laughs> and you stick it in the hole <laughs> and you could shish kebab the borer. <laughs> and you pull it out and there you go. You know you've got borer for sure. But definitely those holes, we're looking at a photo of your um, your citrus there, Lynn, and uh, definitely those holes are caused by a borer. And I guess after 40 years, that's a pretty good innings yeah. for a lemon tree. Uh, it's probably time to yeah. get a new one. What do you think? Well, I'm, oh, yes, I, I, I have. Now, can you tell me if they're still alive in there? Would they be, uh, I'm talking probably the tree, I probably lost the tree about a year ago. Would there be anything in there? Uh, are the, are the, would the larvae still be well, in there? Well, Lynn, this happened to me quite a few years ago too and I was told that the tree was probably already stressed and that is why it was attacked by the borer. Um, mm. there, there are beetles that do complete their life cycle in the trunk of a tree. There, there wouldn't, I'd say there probably wouldn't be too many trees that don't have holes in them because something... Um, has gone in there. There's certainly wattles and banksias. There are moths that will will live in certain, mm. sometimes specific plants. Um, would it still be alive? No, I think it's long gone now. But if oh, it's if it was dead. 
It was if it was active, you might also see signs of swarf, which is the sawdust that sits outside of the tree trunk. But I think it's nothing like that. No, no. I, I'd say it's long gone, and it was just a, a contributing factor in the death of the tree. So then, my next question is: I've planted my lemons, and I've been very successful with um, a mandarin tree that I gave a tender love to. Is there any possibility that that can carry to the new ones that I've put in? They're only three years old and they've got flowers on them. Is it only through stressed trees that this happens? Well, I would keep an eye on your trees, but I don't think they are at high risk. Now, on the subject of borers, we spoke to Daryl a couple of weeks ago about a new borer. And this beetle was two millimetres. So it's a good time for me just to remind people that if they are seeing signs of decline in their trees, to mm-hmm. to look not only at the soil and, and what's going on there and their watering, uh, monitor the new growth, but also check tree trunks for signs. Now, the borer got into a maple. So there is actually a, a quarantine area around Fremantle. You can go to the DPIRD site for more specifics, but residents are urged not to transport plant material outside of that quarantine zone. So uh, that includes green waste removal, firewood. Just be vigilant. Okay, well, Mm. thank you very much for calling in then. I hope uh, all your troubles have been lessened. (laughs) Now, I just want to ask you one more question. I've got a um, a fruiting avocado. Can I chop a little bit off the top because it's getting a little bit out of hand or is it not a good time to do it? Oh, no, I would definitely give it a bit of a trim, Lynn. I mean, you need to keep your fruit trees under control so that you can pick the fruit. Um, there's no yeah. point um, growing great big trees in a suburban garden um, if you can't access the fruit. No, none of us want to get up a ladder. No, I definitely no, don't. No, Not no. at my age, that's for sure. <laughs> no. And I'm only a young chicken. <laughs> She's just a baby. <laughs> Thank you so much. I really appreciate everything. That's great. All right. Have a great day, Lynn. Thanks, Lynn. Thank, Thank you, Lynn, for you. calling. Bye. Bye. Curtain Radio. Well, there we are, ladies. Now, I think we've got another... Oh, no, we did have a call, but now it seems to have disappeared. Never mind. We've got plenty that we can talk about. Excellent. Away you go. Now, Andrea, let's kick things off. Let's talk about pot gardening. Oh yes. Um, look, I think this is a great opportunity. A bit of a, a bit of a slow off the mark opportunity for a lot of West Australian gardeners, and it is something that really gets me excited because you can have lots and lots of different types of gardens and lots of different colours happening in your gardens uh, by using pots. And even if you have a tiny, small garden, you can create something that is the illusion of a much bigger garden because you can have so many different plants in such small spaces. You're speaking my language. (laughs) I don't think we do it enough. I really don't. And, you know, you can get inspired by, you know, looking on the internet and seeing um, beautiful uh, containers from the US and from um, from Europe, and at the moment we can't go there, so we have to look on the internet and be inspired or even 
uh, going to the library and finding books about container gardening. And I guess the, the main trick is to select a decent sized pot if you're going to put more than one plant. So if you're going to go with my method of the thriller spiller filler, then mm. you need to have something that's actually going to accommodate all three pl- of plants or sometimes more. I sneak a few <laughs> extras in, Faye. I'm pretty greedy with that. So um, what I like to do is to select the pot then also put in the very best quality potting mix that I can afford and um, usually that potting mix is nice and um, free draining Um, it's a beautiful rich black soil mix that we don't really have in our own garden so it is exciting to run your fingers through that I must say and um, it always has some fertilizer in it some slow release fertilizer in it and you know that that's going to last the plant for about six months which is a really good time to before you're going to change your containers anyway so um, because I think we should get better at changing our containers out seasonally Um, and when I say seasonally probably four times a year would be fun to do Um, so selecting a colour scheme is also a really fun thing to do so you might decide that because it's springtime and you know yellow is the colour of spring really isn't it it is all at the moment it complements blue it really does yes really does so I mean you know depending on your footy team you can always do that (laughs) I've just recently um, prepared a garden for one of my clients and uh, every year he has a, a grand final party And I must confess that I am a long-suffering Melbourne Demons supporter. So I did sneak in a few containers filled with uh, navy blues type plants and uh, (laughs) red, splashes of red. Wow. (laughs) So um, he was, he was, uh, he went along. He's an Eagles fan. But uh, when the Eagles were in the final, I did do pots for him that were uh, yellow and blue. So, uh, but it's a really fun thing to do. And, you know, you can, if you're, if you're a Bows is a footy fan and not a gardening fan, you could get them really excited by planting out their favourite footy colours in pots. <laughs> well, really- Andrea, another thing is, do you know, Christmas is only 12 weeks away, so it's not too early to start thinking about it. It's definitely <laughs> not. Well, I like our listeners to be prepared, Gillian. <laughs> and, you know, for Christmas, I like to pick a on my tree every year. I change the colour of the Christmas tree tree one color so every year I might have so say last year was silver and blue on the Christmas tree so this year I might stick with the silver and the red will be the other color Mm. so then I bring in all my red decorations and so on or I might do gold and blue or whatever so um, it's also time to theme it up for the garden so you might go with red or pinks or you can I mean everyone does a different color Christmas tree this year these days so you could have have a Christmas tree that's pink and silver which would be really cool and um, then you could have pots in your garden filled with pinks and silvers Mm. so wonderful things like um, as your thriller you could have the quarter line the the pink electric pink or the pink passion cord line is as your thriller which is stays in the center of the pot and then you could have the spiller which is dichondra silver falls which would be amazing and around the base you could have that gorgeous little hypoestes which is a little um tiny they call it the polka dot plant yes which is um has beautiful foliage color and tiny little dots on it which is a pink base or red base and that looks amazing to well, there is a little red and green one. Now, a couple of my favourites, 
red and white geraniums are just Perfect a winner. And I've Christmas, got yes. red geraniums spilling out of a basket as we speak with blue and white lobelias. Stunning. They are. I love lobelia. Mm. I mean, that is one of the undersold sort of nana plants that people have forgotten to use. It's amazing and it's a great plant. And alyssum is another one. Oh, which, always. Which the um, the bees and the all the beautiful bugs love. And the white borders of white alyssum and red begonia look absolutely stunning. And the white, you know, when you're saying goodbye to your guests in the evening on those hot, balmy summer nights... The white just illuminates. And, and the it fragrance, really Faye, from the alyssum, that honey, oh. that smell of honey is really gorgeous, especially in the in the sort of the dusk mm. time. It's beautiful. We've, I've been uh, walking my little dog, um, decided I've got to t- walk a bit further. And there's a, um, where I live, it's we're between the river and the sea, and some of the gardens are absolutely wonderful. Now, one of the things I do notice is that some people have got really robust abundant red um, geraniums and then I'll go on a bit further and they've got this sort of gawky spindly looking geranium. What are they doing wrong? Well someone's probably pruning their geraniums and deadheading them and feeding them and the others are just going well you have to fend for yourselves and manage with what you've got and I haven't got time to cut you back and I haven't got time to feed you. They need to be pruned. They need to be pruned. Are they prolific feeders they don't need to be and like andrea talked about the the slow release fertilizer that can last six months if you don't do anything else you've got a bit of backup but Mm. then you know there are gardeners who just love to to fiddle and tizzy up all their plants and they'll go out with a watering can Mm. and give it a boost of a complete fertilizer and those plants just hum they, they absolutely spring to they life. They do love a good liquid sort of seaweed fertiliser. They love that over the foliage. And you'll find that they'll be less um, they'll be um, less susceptible to any sort of fungal diseases and things like that. If, if the plant is healthy and robust and the soil is good quality, then it's going to fight off any diseases that, you know, might well, be airborne. Really, really evident in these gardens. One garden, and it's a tiered garden because she lives on... But the other thing is there are such a range of different types of geraniums. You've you've got dwarf pot geraniums, you've got the ivy geraniums which will spill and cascade. They're my favourite. They they just don't then, get attacked they, by anything. And there's big red as well. He's, yes, he's really gorgeous, isn't he? Yeah. yeah. Mm. Now we have someone you're listening to the gardening show, and we have Faya Karu on one uh, microphone, and we have Andrea Whitey on the other, and we have. Edith. And now Edith is in Darlington. Good morning to you, Edith. Morning, Edith. Edith, where are you? Oh. Are you there, Edith? No, we haven't got Edith. Just hang on a minute. We'll try again. Hello. Can you hear us? No, Edith's gone tatars. Okay, not to worry. Sorry about that. I, I can answer those questions anyway. And now's a really great time to do it. There's actually a few open gardens today, uh, so hopefully the weather will be kind and we can get out there in between showers if there are any. So with the Open Gardens WA, there's a beautiful garden up in Kalamunda and it's called Bush Prelude and we spoke to Jenny last week about her garden. It's on today and tomorrow from 10 to 4 at 31 Hinkler Road. Now this is a, a... 
a, a bush garden, but it's got lots of garden rooms and new features. It has been open before as part of uh, the Open Garden Scheme. Which uh, I was the coordinator yes, of for yes, many years. Yes, you were. And I think that's how we originally <laughs> met. Oh, Gardener wow. of the Year, Faye Caro. Oh, Never forget yes. it. 2007 <laughs> has been now, Andrea. Um, but they have refreshments. There are picnic spots available, wheelchair and pram access to 50% of the garden. There's a studio and there's lots of things to see. It's a beautiful garden and they've just done a new veggie garden, I believe. So lots to see there. Now, one that we didn't talk about last week, the Rose Society of WA are putting on a spring show and that's today and tomorrow from 1 o'clock to 5 o'clock today and 10 to 4 tomorrow. It is at... uh, in South Perth, isn't it? It is, at the Community Hall, corner of Sandgate Street and South Terrace. So there's a help desk <laughs> for anyone who needs help. <laughs> anyone that wants to talk about chilli shrimp, go there. <laughs> oh, we'll talk about that later. Uh, Heritage Rose Society SWAT Garden Tools and Rose's Potted Colour and Gifts for Sale and Afternoon Teas. So that's... Lovely. Now, Tom Hogg's garden, Romancing the Stone. We also spoke to Tom last week. He's been opening his garden for 18 years. Amazing garden set on the side of a hill. And if you, you know, 20 years ago, if you'd driven past Horton Road in Maidervale, you might have seen this man with his wheelbarrow carting lots of rocks. <laughs> yes, Building walls. Not only that, he went down the hill across the creek and to the property up the other side. So he's made fairy built Gillian. It is amazing. This man is um, he's not a young man now, and he has gone through three cement mixes. And I'm not surprised. <laughs> and it, what a story! So it's he's, heavy work, isn't it? It is. But he's now an artist. Uh, the garden is beautiful. There's a winter creek. There's waterfalls, plants for sale and funds are raised for the Amanda Young Foundation of mm-hmm. which he's raised $200,000. I'm not surprised all with all years. those years of opening oh. and um, I bet you he'll have that big fire going ah. uh, today so that'll be nice to go around and enjoy the garden and stand by the fire if you feel yeah, a little chilly. I really urge gardeners, you know, I know you might look at the weather and think, oh, it's raining one minute, but grab your brolly and a raincoat and get out there. There's, do you know, some of the most fun times are when it actually buckets down with rain and everyone shelters under cover. And, you know, the people that go to these gardens, we see time and time again, it's it's a great community spirit. And these garden owners have put in a heck of a lot of work. Oh, absolutely. And, uh, you know, the sun is peeping through and it's nice and cool. So it's lovely to wander around. You won't get too hot and sweaty. It's beautiful. And a drippy garden. Oh, Oh, my goodness. And the rain gives everything a bath, doesn't it? It really does. It washes all that dust off trees and goodness knows what all. Our number here is 94841927 if you'd like to ring in and ask the girls a a question about your garden. And wait, there's more. (laughs) We have another open garden and this is called Glenfield. All proceeds are donated to the Cancer Council. This is on today and tomorrow, 10 to 5 both days. It is at 4 Glenfield Place in Mount Nazura, uh, Kashoni apparently. Uh, Anne and Kelvin Baines, beautiful garden filled with rustic charm, 
native plants and succulents. And from what I've seen in the photos, there are buildings like a a little rusty old shack type yeah. building. So I I love looking at gardens like that that have got a sculpture or or something different to see. You can always go home and, as Ray tells me, maybe not in Maylands, but you know. <laughs> If you've got a bigger property with an old fence, you can hang shoes and plants or herbs spilling out of it, a rusty old wheelbarrow filled with who knows what. I I love little projects like that. It's amazing how clever people are with um, uh, their imagination and then they build something around it. It's just... My that part of my brain seems to have gone bye bye. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, it's it just needs it needs a refresh. It's all right. There's there's always a opportunity for inspiration, isn't there? And well, going and seeing an open garden is really the place to begin mm. because you're seeing it in real life and you're seeing what works in Western Australian gardens. Mm. And so you can go and take a tiny bit of that and replicate that in your own garden. Just mm. you know, you might just take one little thing and then it's worth it. Well, and you can copy it exactly. It might be something that you do with tyres or an old picture frame or, well, you know, just... An old boot. You can put plant succulents in an I old know. boot. I know. Speaking of old boots, I might have just worn out. The, the front of them looks like a mouth, which is good for drainage, <laughs> but no good for working in the garden. I've nearly you tripped over a couple a of times. Oh, no. Okay, now we have another call coming in from Safety Bay. And it's Susan at Safety Bay. Good morning, Susan. Welcome. Good morning. Hello to all of you. Hello, Hello. Susan. Okay. I have um, recently retired. i um, got beautiful um, at the beginning of the year for my birthday. Uh, I have a whole lot of um, dwarf fruit trees, which are doing all amazing. Fantastic. Except, uh, my husband. Blood orange, which had two blood oranges on it, perfect. Um, all of a sudden, started to just drop its leaves, and ha- I mean, it's almost uh, the whole leaves were dropping off, mm. whole and fresh and new. So uh, I looked it up, and it said uh, you may be overwatering or underwatering. Well, I have a, a water um, meter, you know, so that that was the one thing I read up about trees. Is the only thing people prove you know, prominently do is overwater their fruit trees. So I, I always check the um, with the meter in about three places in each pot when I um, when there hasn't been any rain. Now it it has died. I mean, oh. I, I think there's a little bit. Uh, there's probably I'm just looking at it now. There's a little bit of green still on the trunk, but all of the branches. It's only small, uh, probably. Um, probably about a foot, two foot and a half high, eighteen inches high, at the highest point, and yet, um, yeah, all the branches just died off. So all the leaves dropped off. Now, what I was concerned about is now next door is the mandarin, and one uh, uh, the leaves started to drop off of that too, and it's like the the whole leaf. Susan, can I ask you about your fertilizer regime? What have you been doing with in terms of fertilizing your new trees? Okay, so I uh, about about uh, four. They're just about due to have um, more, but uh, I think it was every six weeks or something, isn't it? 
I'm well, well citrus what, do like what, regular fertilizer for but sure. But what is okay. the fertilizer that you've oh, used? I'm sorry. Um yeah, it's a it's a citrus tree fertilizer. Okay, and it's granulated, it's not a slow release? Granulated, yes. Okay, so what I think has happened... It's the sea salt, fruit and citrus. A granule fertiliser. So and that's correct. And you said apply six weeks, six weekly. The thing about citrus is they're very shallow rooted, and the thing yes. about a granulated fertiliser is it can burn the roots. That's what I think's <laughs> happened. I think you've yep. overloved it. You've given it too much food, yep. and it's gone ah too much. And the response okay. from the plant is that it's dropped all its leaves and it has not been able to recover. So I don't no. think the blood orange will will survive that. So Susan, no. what I think you need to do is we need uh, you need to use a controlled release or a slow release fertilizer in your pots. That would always be my okay. recommendation. Um, right. And flush the plant. If there's any granules on top, take them off. Flush oh, it. No, no, no. This was this was like. This was like four or five weeks ago. That's why I said they're almost yep. ready to have it again. Right, so, okay. No, Change your fertiliser. rain would have done it last night. <laughs> okay, and and cut back your tree and maybe you might get a little bit of regrowth. We have to leave it there, but good luck no, with that's that. that's fine. Okay, that's fine. Thank thanks you so for much. your call. Thanks, Susan. Thank Bye. You. Bye. Thank you, Susan, for calling us. Curtain Ah, oh, there we go. Now, um, Faye, we've got some very interesting emails. We have, yes. Very timely too. So Robin has sent us in an email and would be pleased if we could identify this amazing plant. It appeared in her friend's garden and she doesn't have a clue what it is. She thinks it's some kind of orchid. Oh, I'm putting my hand on my head. Um, this is a bulb. It's called Ferrara crisper. And it comes from South Africa and I just, I almost shudder when I see it because sadly for me, I've seen this appearing in in wildflower country by the side of the road. You and know. it's beautiful in South Africa, yes. but not in Western Australia. Mm. So the fact that it's popped up by itself tells us that it spreads easily Hence, it's become a weed. It It's a garden escapade. Once upon a time, people would have put them in their gardens and gone, we have this lovely variety. It does really well. But the problem is that they escape to the bushland. So if I found that in my bush, I would be hoiking it out straight away. Me too, even mm. though it is quite gorgeous, but we don't really, we don't need it. it as, as Faye says, it's an escapade. Yeah, I think we all have to be mindful. There are so many introduced plants in into Western Australia. We we bring exotic plants into our garden. If you've been looking at the wildflowers being posted up on Facebook sites recently, you know, almost 50% of them are actually not West Australian native plants. True, yes. Um, and the, the risk is that we, we just inadvertently pop them in our garden they look pretty they do very well but then they seed and these seeds take off in our bushland and push out 
our native species. That's and right. And we end lot. up with a very little diversity. And that's what it's very important, that diversity, that we maintain that. Because mm. we live in a biodiversity hotspot and we need to maintain that. You know why they call it a biodiversity hotspot? No, Faye, why? Because we've lost more than what we actually have. Absolutely. Like in 100 yeah. years, I think. That's happened, Andrea. And it's very quick, isn't it? Really, it is. really. I, I don't know about when you were a child growing up, but we actually had an empty block next door and there were native wildflowers there. Weeds were not, they they just weren't a thing. They weren't taking over the bushland like they are now. You drive down the, the freeways and the paddocks are cleared. You go to the beautiful wildflower spots in the southwest and there isn't the, the plants that were there when we were growing up. If you go up to Wireless Hill, that's what our bushland used yep. to be. And I, my concern is for my great-grandchildren because I would hope that they get the opportunity to go out and play in bush like we once did. Yes, that's true. And, um, you know, even things like I grew up in Victoria and we used to go mushroom picking. Mm. And you just, Me too. Um, you know, you just, you can't do that anymore because suburbia, suburbia has encroached on those spaces and there are no mushrooms and that you can just go and pick. You, you know, know, there's weed mushrooms too. Uh, yes, who who would have thought that, the, yeah. the fairy mushrooms, the pretty red ones with the white dots. Which you can't eat. No. Well, there's. <laughs> don't eat You those. don't eat any of them if you don't know what you're doing anyway. But there's also another one and it, it's orange and it's got this honeycomb pattern in it and it's taking over uh, decaying trees and and woodlands in the southwest mm. so. and it's it's um, not native no well it changes it changes everything if it's not, if it's not native where has it come from well, it could come from a number of sources. Could be um, airborne. It come could come in from some plants, uh, some plant material that's come in from the eastern states or from overseas. Because remember, it only begins as a microscopic mm, yes. little spore. Well, the spores. So, well, and see, because of travel, you we have uh, ships coming, bringing imports. So a lot of things are, are packed in wooden crates. So if they haven't been treated, uh, planes, an updraft from one country can then end up somewhere else. Spores are so tiny, Gillian, that mm. when conditions are right, uh, they'll they'll take off and they can sit dormant for years. This little two millimetre borer that's a problem. Nobody knows where that started. Mm. You know, we, we just um travel so much in this day and age we pass things around the world we pack up our homes and move across to another state mm. we have tiny little wasps that will make their nest in uh, a piece of furniture an umbrella stand mm. the hole in a broom you name it you you pack that into a shipping container and move east you're taking a wasp with it absolutely well, and you I, don't even know innocently yeah, i bought a um, table setting in um uh, Bali and uh, when I came in they said have you got anything and I said oh yes we bought some linen and they had a look at it and it's got a water um, a water hyacinth or something but anyway yes. they said you can't bring that in and I went oh why and he plant said material. it's plant material and also if you wash it and there are live bits and pieces on this it can get into our waterways absolutely I was absolutely astounding so yep. off went my um, uh, radar <laughs> uh, 
off went my table napkins and my table spread and what have you. <laughs> okay, now we've got Mike on the phone. Mike, can you wait? We'll talk to you after this break. Well, good morning. Curtain Radio. It's not meant to do that. It's <laughs> <laughs> a little surprise to wake you oh, up. It's, it's always, yes, it just keeps me awake. <laughs> We're going to have a chat with uh, Mike and he's in Willard. Good morning, Mike. Hello, Mike. Can you hear us, Mike? I've got everything on. <laughs> can you press the button again, Gillian? I, I can oh, hear here you. Is, okay. Mike, oh, we were just going? waiting for you to answer us. <laughs> this stupid technology is a pain in the neck. <laughs> <laughs> How can we help you, Mike? Uh, I've got a couple of problems. Um, I had scale on a fig tree a year and a half ago. My wife tried all sorts of things to get rid of it and couldn't. Eventually, my mother-in-law, she actually put white oil and got rid of it and i've noticed now i have just starting the same scale on one of my pear trees i've got about 20 different fruit trees here so uh I've, my wife has actually bought some pest oil is that the same or is it different stuff well it's very it's, very similar okay all so, right and you can you can spray that at any time well, as soon as you see the scale appearing, okay. so anything okay. to treat scale for sure. But um, I tend not to use those sort of uh, those sort of uh, treatments. Um, yeah. I think you would have better success if you used an eco oil, uh, which is for sap sucking insects, and okay. um, spray the tree with that. And then, especially when it gets onto the figs, uh, we spray it and make sure that they're uh, dead by just uh, slothing them off with a fingernail um, yep. so you'll see uh, the figs have been really badly affected by that it almost looks like uh, barnacles mm, on the fig trees and so um, if you kill it first of all with the eco oil and you know try flicking them off with your fingernail and then you know they're dead and then go over them with um, a scourer um, go okay. up the stems of them with the scourer to make sure that all of the remaining ones have been removed and then clear the area around the base of the tree, around the dip, drip line of the tree and make sure that there are no um, no little scale um, sort of that might still be alive there because they're just going to come back on. So if you yep. clear that area, make sure hygiene is very important underneath fruit trees. So leaving a space around the drip zone of the tree. Here I am making a circle. I know. I'm watching. <laughs> clear, a, clear a circle around the drip line of the tree. And so the drip line is measured by if you look up at the tree and you'll see yep. the edges of the leaves and yep. where they extend to, that is the drip line of your tree. So if yep. it's a big tree, it, you have a bigger drip line. If it's a small tree, it's a smaller yep. drip line. So that's a circle okay. around the base of the tree. And if you clear that space and make sure that you always, um, that it's free of any other plant material, Material, free of any mulch or leaf litter, you'll be able to see what's going on in that space okay. and um, and make sure that there's no other uh, things going to start crawling up the, from from the okay. base of the tree up and yes. uh, trying to kill your tree. That hygiene I is really important actually, for fruit trees. Okay. I actually have them inside my chook pen, uh, so uh, there's, it's completely bare, the entire... 
orchard is bare complete with a dozen chooks. So yeah, I'm 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 surprised that the chooks haven't eaten the scale. They they're normally pretty okay. good at pecking them off. But so that's another good reason why you should not be using um, sort okay. of pesticides other than eco oil um, because okay. the, yep. it gets transferred from the you know from the chook eats the scale and then the the chook lays an egg and you yep. know you don't really know what's happening in the food chain. So okay. it is important to use things that are um, are not going to be passed on. Or, organic yeah. certified. Organic, organic is always Now, best. Mike, the other thing is just keep an eye open for ants because they will move your scale around. Because they suck on okay. the scale, don't they? Well, they milk, milk scale insects for honeydew. Mm. So they have this symbiotic relationship. And okay. So yeah, ants are a, a yeah, So if you see ants, you know that you're likely that they're coming to your tree for a reason. For they're coming yeah, for a food source, and the scale is their food source. So if you okay. if you've got ants, that's the surefire sign that something is uh-huh. happening in your tree. Mm. Okay. Now my other problem is I've got leaf curl. Uh, my wife said no, no, it's too late to do it now. So is it or or not? Just double checking on my fruit tree, like particularly my peacherines. Yes, it's too late. You need to do oh, okay. it at bud swell. Yep. You need to treat it. So it's too late. Okay. Um, so your crop may be affected this year, but next year, uh, keep an eye on it. It's just a matter of be getting in tune with your garden and, and seeing what's happening, noticing what's happening, being out there, and you'll notice when the buds start to swell, yeah. that's the time for treatment. Okay. No trouble. No, you okay, need a gardening calendar and you need to mark on it, you know, ahead of time, like the beginning of the month, when it's time to get ready. So make sure you've got the product, the sprayers working, and you're armed and ready to go for that couple of hours when you've got time to get out in the garden when it's not raining and and do the job. So if okay. you usually when the time comes, I'm usually too busy listening to the football. <laughs> well, that that's it. That's why the gardening problem, Yeah. <laughs> okay, ladies, thank you for that. Oh, oh, one one other thing, I've got a couple of my uh, uh, peaches and plums are really quite tall, and now they're flowering. Um, I thought, can I just chop off the the top half a meter or so uh, now or not? I yeah, I think now's a good time because where okay. the flowers are might be where your fruit develop and by thinning it you'll end up with bigger fruits. So you okay. can get in there and, and trim it up knowing where your fruit will develop and get it to okay. a size I would say where it can be netted. Yeah, because the very last year I netted it and it was really, really difficult. I mean, I, I do get up on a ladder, no problem, but uh, it's a pain in the neck. So now they're, they're quite tall. I thought, oh, I've got lots of flowers below in the fruit setting. So I thought, well, can I just cut the top off, of it, a metre off of it, for example, off the very top? And uh, yeah. Yeah, I would okay. for sure. Like, don't be afraid to tell it who's boss, Mike. Yep. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. Enjoy your day. Thank you. You too. All right. Bye. bye. Now, girls, if you've got, you know, you've identified your trees, um, um, you know, already got leaves and what have you on it, and you've seen that you've got leaf curl, is there no time from now on that you can spray that? It's too late. It's it's already right, affected. Kaput. Yeah. No, it's, it's not kaput. Your tree will still survive yeah. and it will still fruit and do all those things, but you'll have curly leaves. Mm, okay. Yeah. Now, what about if I've got a lime? And Just one? <laughs> A lime tree? Madam. Sorry. (laughs) I've got about four. 
But I've also had a problem with at the very top, so say that's the line, that around here is a little circle and that's where it comes off the tree. It looks rust. I don't know. It looks yes. funny. Well, it's funny you say that. Um, I've seen similar this week. Um, I, I'm not sure yet what that is, Gillian, no, but what you describe is is quite unique. I thought that perhaps um, where it was picked, the the damage was done because the stem was broken earlier. No. 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 Okay. But this it's, is it's about a couple of centimeters done. It's sort of almost a perfect circle, and it's and the lime done underneath it is green, and it is a sort of a khaki right. color on top. Now I'd like you to send me a photo of that, oh, and I will better. match it up with the what I've got because this is not something I've seen before. I have and I think it I think it's a fungal problem and I think it's because we've just had so much rain. Um you know, I defer mm. to anyone else's expertise in that, but I, I have seen it around lately and mm. I think it's only because we've just had so much rain. I've not yeah. not ever seen it and I saw it in my garden because my granddaughter picked two lemons and brought them in. I said, Don't you know, don't pick anything without checking with me. But yeah. one of them looked like the stem had previously been damaged. It just sits on the top of the fruit. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I have no, seen what it about before. if your leaves have sort of got a like it looks like someone's drawn a pencil. You know, you can see the veins, so the leaf's a little bit lighter than the veins. Hungry. A, yes, hungry. that's a trace element deficiency. So the thing about citrus is that it needs to be fed regularly little and often so like it's no point uh with your citrus feeding it once and then eight, eight weeks later you think oh my goodness i haven't fed the citrus mm -hmm. so um it is important to feed it regularly and a small amounts and is that it's not a slow release it's a citrus fertilizer. a citrus fertilizer mm -hmm. oh well I but one that that lasts a few months. Absolutely. Because you don't want to dump a fertiliser. Okay. Um, and yeah. that's what a granular fertiliser can do. Exactly. It just releases all at once. So this is why we like slow and controlled release. It's Ladies, more gentle. we've got to be slow and controlled because it's time for the news. It's <laughs> nine o'clock. Now the weather on this day, Saturday the 2nd of October, just after nine o'clock. We have in Perth 15.5 degrees, humidity 72%. The wind coming in from the southwest at 15 kilometres per hour. Manju, you've got 16.8 degrees and 67% humidity, and the wind once again coming in 15 kilometres per hour, but from the west southwest. And Rotness, you're a bit cooler than us, which is unusual. 14.7 degrees, humidity at 84, and the wind at 19 kilometres per hour uh, from the west southwest. Now, the forecast for the rest of Saturday is we are going to reach 19 degrees, so not far to go, and a shower or two. The fire danger in the Perth coastal plains and hills is low to moderate, and sun protection recommended at 10 to 9 this morning until 20 past 3 this afternoon. UV index predicted to reach 7, which, as you know, is high. Now, Sunday, October the 3rd, we have an early shower or two, a minimum overnight of 11 and a maximum of 19. And it looks like we've got a sort of showery sort of day until about next Wednesday, which um, will give our gardens another water. <laughs>
you're listening to What's uh, to uh, Gardening and we have Fea Cara on one mag- microphone and Andrea Whiteley on the other. We have some other hardworking people on the other side as well, John Glidden and, of course, Bev on the telephone. Our number is 94841927 if you'd like to give us a call. Now, we have uh, Diana of uh, Victoria Park and she is on line two. And good morning, Diana. Oh, hello. Hello. Good morning. <laughs> How can we help you, Diana? Thank you for taking my call. Um, due to personal issues, nothing to do with gardening, but my personal issues, my, I think it's a ficus bush. It's a variegated ficus bush. Could that be possible? It could be. Sweet. Okay. I planted it where I used to live. About 15 years ago, in, a, in quite a big tub, not huge, but big enough for it, had it at the front door in a, under a veranda, doing, like not outside, like you can put ficus outside. Coming along beautifully for, say, 14 years, I had to move here, and it's been neglected, not because um, I wasn't worrying about it, but I just could not get into my garden which I brought with me in tubs everywhere okay. I went out there yesterday and just about every leaf is off it, it's still in the shade and I thought oh my god it needs water and I watered it madly put potting mix on the top madly as well but it looks like it's dying and I want it's about four foot tall and it was a, like a bush. Well, the good news is, Diana, it would be very hard to kill a ficus and I'm sure Andrea has got a tip for rejuvenating that pot. I think it's time that it needs to be pulled out and repotted. After 14 years in the same potty mix, you know, if you were wearing the same shoes day after day for 14 years, you probably need a new pair of shoes. So um, I think that um, you need to bite the bullet and roll it over, pull it out, trim the roots with some really nice sharp secateurs and wiggle those roots about and um, put some new fresh potting mix and um, really give it a good deep water and it will take off again. Give it a nice trim at the top because whatever you trim at the bottom with the leaves, you need to trim it, uh, sorry, the, with the roots, you oh, need to trim at the top yeah. as well. Um, yes. And uh, I think it'll come back. I'd say Very so. Very hard to kill a ficus. That's what I thought. Loving gardening since I was a little girl, I'm like I'm nearly 80. I thought last night, should I just cut like a third of it off? Because, you know, that's where there's no leaves at all that looks so thick and off at all. Well, if you, if you just follow Andrea's instructions, I'm sure you'll be rewarded with some new growth very soon, Diana. Thanks for your call today. Diana, thank you for calling thank us. Bye-bye. Okay, bye-bye. Bye. Now we have uh, Marilyn, and she wants to talk to us about a rose bush. Good morning, Marilyn. Welcome to Let's Talk Gardening. Good morning, ladies. Hello. Hi, Marilyn. <laughs> Hi. I have had roses for the best part of 30 years. Never had a problem like this. I've got a rose garden with 15 bushes in it. They've been pruned and fertilised and they're looking absolutely beautiful. But one of them in the middle of the garden is shedding branches. One day there were four on the ground. The next day there were three branches on the ground. This morning I went out and there's one on the ground and it's at least a metre long. They seem to be breaking off or being eaten off at the base of the 
of the stem right at the at the base of the plant. Do you have any ideas? I don't suppose you've got any crickets. <laughs> Those great big Jiminy crickets. Oh, everyone's got them, haven't they? I haven't seen it. But... I would check that out because they might be munching. Some it seems. Have a look and see if you can see munching, or if the maybe the new growth is just so um, so soft that when the wind comes through, it blows it off. Could that be? We don't uh, hear right that happening, no. though, do we? No. It, and it wouldn't be one bush in the middle of fifteen. Would no, it, it's, it does sound people. odd. It it sounds yeah. to me more like somebody's munching on it. That's what I thought, but I haven't been able to find anything. Well, have you know, a... I mean, these stems are a centimetre thick. Have a look where they have come away. You, yes. you might... I mean, if you see bite marks, it would be different to if something landed on it, you know, if a kid's, yes. kids threw a ball in or an animal was in there. What about if the branch had actually died and just fallen off? Is that possible? But well, it's not more than branches. one. It's several, isn't it, Marilyn? Oh, well, there's been eight of them so far in three days. And they're not dead. They're, they're red shoots, they're blood shoots, they're looking beautiful. They've got buds and flowers on Yeah, I, I think what Andrea said, I think you need to go in there and inspect it closer. Okay. Um, if you think they're crickets, what's the treatment? A big you, well, there are chilli and garlic sprays that can act as a deterrent. Mm. Uh, okay. They don't like the taste of neem oil. No, and molasses. Molasses, oh, okay. yep. Oh, that's um, but you could just, you know, where if you find the, if you identify the naughty bug that's mm -hmm. there, you can, you know, just grab them and dispose yep. of them. I'd get out there Mainly. with a torch at night. I'd be monitoring this plant periodically, mm, exactly. day and night. I would be. Go back with the torch and... Yeah. yeah. You'll night. see for I sure. If she finds I haven't done the night time thing, but I'll No, night time's the time when they're most active. So, I oh, and you'll okay. also they would have munched around the leaves. You would think that they would have had a bit of a munch on the leaf. Mm. You need well, to inspect. To be any eaten, mm. but yeah, I certainly don't want them to get into the other bush. No. No. Right. All right. Back out there. Have a good look tonight. <laughs> All right. Have fun. Thank you for Bye, joining us. Bye-bye. Now we have uh, Margaret, and Margaret's in Mundaring, and she'd like to talk to you girls about azaleas. Oh, aren't they Hello, looking Margaret. magnificent at the moment? Hi, Margaret. Good it's morning, azalea Jill. time, isn't it? Gosh, you're having a lot of fun this morning. <laughs> we are. <laughs> I wonder if Marilyn's got a possum visiting and found it, got a lightning for uh, young rose shoots. Could be, but it's funny that it's just the one, isn't it? Yeah, very strange. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, How can we help a, you? Yes. Is there such a thing as a tree azalea? Well, there's very large varieties that have oh. been, that people do prune up to make it look, so it's, they're always a shrub, really. Um, well, and there, But there are some varieties that have, if you can select one that has a, a long leader stem, you can prune it up to make it into an, a, a tree for sure. Well, in Mundaring, there is a beautiful tree that comes out every year and I've been trying to remember for about three years to ask somebody about this. And mm. it would be at least three to four metres high. It's at least, it's an old tree because it's at least a metre or a bit more around the girth near ground level. 
it's got the most beautiful round canopy like a a pom-pom but it's big a big tree i mean the 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 girth of the the sorry the the d- diameter of the canopy would be at least three meters and i knocked on the front door there was nobody home but i did pick a tiny little bit of leaf and flower nobody's and listening so very you're much. okay no one saw you margaret except the cctv <laughs> <laughs> the police are on their way <laughs> and <laughs> i would swear the flower is an azalea beautiful no. pale pink well i would i would be surprised at that size yeah, uh, possibly a rhododendron like could be a rhododendron doesn't sound like an azalea though uh um what else is there? But it's got Wagelia? a smallish, it's got a smallish flower like an azalea. So could that mm. be a rhododendron? Oh, maybe. May could I be. Think it's old because oh. rhododendrons will definitely grow large. And and up in uh, around where you are, Margaret, there's some beautiful old gardens mm. Um, mm. where people did plant more sort of English style plants and very successfully. Um, so there, you know, it is stands to reason that they would be thirty, forty. 50 years old, some of them. Yeah, well, I, you know, I looked at the girth and I thought, oh, gee, this is an old specimen. And must be very happy. Until you gave it a little snip cutting, maybe, Margaret. Well, it's, it's see, it's, in the, it's at the stage where it's shedding. Shedding. We've had the most coldest winter in the last 34 years in Mundaring, not to mention the rain. And um, But this, is, this has been very heavy, flowered very heavily and... It's at the stage of dropping the flowers because there weren't a lot for me to reach to pick one little specimen, you see. Do you think she could, the little piece that she has snipped off, she could take it to the local nursery and they'll identify it for her? There's every chance. Absolutely, That that would be a good idea. Very good, Gillian. (laughs) Yes. Or you could send us a photo. Faye will will have a look at it for sure. Oh, yes. What's that gardening at Curtin, is it? Yes, gardening at curtainfm.com.au. Mm. That's it. All right, I look forward to getting that, Margaret. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, okay. Margaret. Bye for Thank now. you, Margaret. Bye bye. Now, Michelle from High Wickham phoned in this morning and said that last week we mentioned on the show where we were going to advise where to purchase garlic without going to the supermarket. And not this time of the year particularly because March is when we would look at planting garlic for the season. But certainly you could check organic stores, markets and farmers markets uh, and garden centres. But sometimes there are areas, Spearwood, Fremantle, where I know that there will be a chalkboard sign out on the street and an Italian grower will be selling off garlic to, to eat and to plant. Or north of the river, Balcatta. There's always mm. someone in Balcatta who's got a sign out the front saying garlic for sale. And absolutely, yes, you can plant from the bulbs. And basically you can use any of the bulbs that are not bleached and from China. Oh, we certainly don't want that. No, now, so any of the others will be successful. The other thing I was going to say, did you not mention last week that you can't plant garlic next door to parsley? Ah, uh, that's one of the rules, yes. Why? Well, they both compete for the same sort of area. Parsley doesn't make good bed companions for, for things like mint uh, and other root vegetables. 
Oh, my goodness gracious me. <laughs> and I tell you what Parsi does do. Parsi provides, a, in a cottage garden, a beautiful border. It's a re- that afro parsley oh. is the most lovely border, and uh, you can keep it in check, and it just lasts. You know, sometimes it lasts for years, even though you put it in as an annual plant and very cheap because you buy seedlings, and uh, it really makes a pr- really beautiful, soft, pretty border that is edible. And when oh it God, goes to flower, you. it looks just like Queen Anne's lace, Absolutely. which that type of flower, the umbel is a great habitat for beneficial bugs and we need more of them. We, do, we don't have to talk about pest problems no. if we've got beneficials in the garden. Absolutely. Now, ladies, we've got a couple of things on our computer, but at the moment we need a break. Curtain Radio. Ah, well, ladies, we have another uh, telephone call and Jeff of Rockingham. He's interested in finding out about uh, his kangaroo paws. Hello, Jeff. How are you? Morning, Jeff. Good morning. How Hi, are Jeff. we? We're very well. We are very yeah, well. I bought, this, <laughs> I bought this mini sunrise kangaroo paw from Bunnings yesterday. And I just want to know, I put it in the ground, but what fertiliser do I have to put on to keep it going? Nothing. <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> wow. You know, I I might go and get a couple more. Yes, absolutely. And look, are you going to put it in a pot, Jeff, or in the ground? No, it's in the ground at the front. Okay. So it's full sun. Look, if you if you have to fertilize, look for now. Don't do anything to it. In about six months, you might like to. um, Well, once the flowers are finished, cut the flower stems off down at the base, and you might need to give it some. You might like to give it some slow release for native fertilizer. And uh-huh. that is all. But the main thing is to improve the soil, but not too much, because why? They like to grow in our sandy soils. That's where they come from. Um, and but remember that the ones that we buy in um, in the um, big box stores or from our garden centres um, yeah. have been brought on in potting mix, so oh, they okay. they're a bit sooky. So when yeah. you just suddenly put them into the sand, they think, yeah. oh, oh, what's this? So they take a little while to get settled in. So you might yeah. want to, in about six months, give them some slow release for native yeah, plants. That's it. Thank Don't you. do too much, Jeff. No, 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 no. No, it'll be all good. Oh, enjoy that, Jeff. Thank you. Okay, Thank you, thank bye. you Jeff, for your bye call. Bye. Now, ladies, we have uh, a seventy-five-dollar voucher giveaway with the compliments of Carrier Bigotries in Pickering. Ooh, I could I could do a lot of damage with that. <laughs> Bigotries is a stunning nursery and leading provider of French pennies, Oriental, and fruit trees, including an ever-increasing range of deciduous, evergreens, flowering, and native trees. Plus, hibiscus, proteas, gardenias. Camellias and magnolias, a gorgeous selection of indoor shade plants as well. Lots of beautiful spring colours. It's certainly worth a drive. I concur, absolutely. To enter, you must be a Curtin FM member and not have won a prize here at the station over the last 28 days. And the question we would like you to answer by ringing 94841927 and speaking to Bev is, which flower name comes from the ancient Greek of word for star? John comes up with these tricky questions everywhere. It won't be long before those phones are ringing. 
Andrea, let's take the opportunity to talk about another subject. Um, getting summer ready. Oh, yes. Well, now it, we've got perfect weather to get your garden summer ready. So you can do that by... Uh, improving the soil in your garden and by doing that you are going to make your healthy soil healthy plants so I'm a lazy time poor gardener I look after a lot of other people's gardens so in my own garden and in their gardens I don't have time to do a lot of faffing about and lots of different fertilizer regimes and this and that so I rely a lot on the health of the soil that I create for my customers and also for in my own garden and I use mature compost that's it that's the trick. There's no That's trick. simple. The KISS principle. <laughs> and um, all I do is I get bags of mature compost and I get my hands and I chuck it onto the garden and I water it in. And that is enough to assist the microriser to to um, grow and all the beneficial bacteria in the soil to create a healthy environment for those plants and for their roots to grow. And I have very little problems with um, pests and diseases um, and because the plants are strong. And if they're not strong, well, they shouldn't be there in the first place and I've planted the wrong plant. So, <laughs> so that, that's generally how it works. So it's really important to get out there and buy some mature compost. It's cheap as chips. It's probably the cheapest fertilizer that you can get. Um, and chuck that onto your garden, water it in, and um, your plants will absolutely love it. Then the next thing is to do a bit of planting because you have to do some planting if you want to get <laughs> your garden summer ready. So think about what you want to put where. Um, planting plants that require the same amount of water in the in the same area so if you have if you don't have an area that's under reticulation then think about plants like succulents and aloes and those sort of plants because they're not, and australian natives west australian natives because they don't need water by reticulation um, if you're creating a verge filled with straight with west australian native plants and you might be creating like like i did um, last year was create um, a habitat garden uh, on somebody's virgin it's a huge big virgin floriate and we've put big logs there and beautiful native plants and it is a habitat corridor now uh, in one year later wow. it is outstanding and the different bugs and birds that come to visit that garden now which did not visit before are really outstanding so you know thinking about what colors you want to put in and, and sticking with a color scheme and running with that um, even with your West Australian natives, you don't just chuck everything in. It doesn't need to be a kaleidoscope because you want your, your brain to be able to appreciate swathes of various different colours. So do you plant multiple plants? I do. So um, to get maximum effect, I think planting multiple plants is good. So never just go and buy one plant. No, because you end up with a museum. You one do. of this and one of that. It and it looks ridiculous. <laughs> it looks like looking through a kaleidoscope. So what we want to do is we want to create effects of garden. So you want to have like three or four, or I like to say three, five or seven of the one plant in a swathe will provide an amazing effect in your garden. I'd just like to say we do have a winner. So, oh, yeah. Gee, that was quick. I know. Boy. <laughs> that is fantastic. A lucky lady or uh, a listener, We'll hear in say, a moment. Has mm. got a $75 voucher from Bigger Trees in Pickering Brook. You 
will be gobsmacked when you go up there. It's absolutely amazing. Well, it's in between the, the gardens that are open today, so I'm planning Great to spot. get up there. And what's the, the, what's the answer to the question? Well, oh, it was um, the, uh, the question was, what was the name of a Greek um, flower name that comes from ancient Greek word for star? It's Aster. Oh, well, of course. A star. <laughs> a star. I should have said it like that, shouldn't I? <laughs> now, we've also had a, a, a information from Jana Mirabuka, and she said for the person that wants to know about garlic, that there is a sign on Wanneroo Road out past the golf course to pick your own garlic if this helps. Oh, that's, that's Michelle, good there to know. Yeah, so she can and Patricia Lakelands, um, who has trouble with her roses, she said, perhaps it's parrots eating new growth of her roses. Put pepper on and try to prevent. Oh, actually, you know what? I, I was thinking the parrots take the top, but if the parrots are landing on them... The weight of them will break at the base. But still, it is a funny mystery because it's only one rose in the middle of a bed of 15 roses. Mm. But if they're so all different roses, you know, like different. That one. Yeah, yeah. You absolutely. know, the, the different. Um, I think red is the colour that parrots are attracted to. But new roses have this red growth, which is um, due to, I think it's anthocyanins. And a lot of bugs actually can't see red. So it it's oh. a form of the plant protecting itself or protecting its new growth by initially being red. There you go. There you go. That's fascinating, <laughs> though. So some animals can see, some birds and things can see red and some can't. Yes, and uh, a lot of our insects are actually drawn to yellow. They can't see red. So it just disappears off their radar. And I, when I first heard that, I thought, oh, that's rubbish because you see the birds and you see insects go to a bottle brush. But what they're going to is the, the dots of yellow pollen on the end. No. And even in a Geraldton wax, once that flower has been pollinated, the yellow disappears and it virtually it turns red. red. Yeah, red. yeah right. And that's it. They can't see it. So they go to the ones that haven't been pollinated. There you go. Well, everyone will be having a fine time because all the bottle brush are out in and oh. where I live, those trees are lined with them. So soon our roads will be red because the bottle, oh. when they, you know, they're absolutely beautiful. Oh, I call it sneezing season. Mm. <laughs> yes. <laughs> the sneezes and the freezes. Yes. <laughs> you can't help with that, uh. can you? Yes. And uh, our winner uh, for the $75 voucher was Cheryl Harper from Oakford. Oh. So, Congratulations, Oakford. Cheryl. Congratulations. Oh, Thank yes. you. Happy gardening. Lucky, Happy shopping. Lucky $75. Woo. Now, um, Andrea, you spoke about potting gardens. What about raised bed gardens? I love raised beds because I've got gardeners back. <laughs> <laughs> So um, bending over is hard. So raised bed gardens make perfect sense to me where um, you can just um, enjoy your garden at your height and, um, you know, it just makes it so much easier. So definitely raised beds. Now you can buy um, very easy to put together raised beds or or you could just have 
really tall pots, which also work very, very well. Wide mouths on the top of them. And or there's some really cheapish alternatives, inexpensive, I should say, not cheap, inexpensive alternatives where you can um, have the garden right at your height. And that's great for... Um, for adults but also for children because it's right at their eye level and um, they can see what's going on with the plants which is fantastic and it just saves you back really well you can no digging you can get little ones that are only about what in old language probably eight nine inches high yes and that that doesn't take too much potting mix i looked at one that was sort of about waist height for me and i thought oh my goodness i'd have to get a a trucking on that note Gillian, I, I'm not a fan of filling up huge, huge deep beds, but there are some that are on wheels or casters and they can be moved around. I was talking to Andrew the other day and one of the things I noticed when I was growing a lot of edible plants in pots last year, the bigger the pot, the bigger the plant. And this related to a bok choy seedling that I planted in a big pot. The leaves were the size of a football. I'm not kidding. And it filled the pot. Now, in a smaller pot, the plant was much smaller. And um, I was saying to Faye how successful I think planting vegetables in pots can be for people. If you have a small space, you can have beautiful pots filled with um, silver beet or Swiss chard that looks so attractive in the garden and you can just go out and pick yourself you know half a dozen leaves and that plant will just continue to it's the gift that keeps on giving keep on regenerating and for the cost of you know two dollars little tiny seedling punnet you can have silver beet or Swiss chard for months and months and months and they in fact will just keep on for year after year after year. I've got some some Swiss chard that has been in pots in my garden now for nearly three years. And we just keep picking the leaves and stir frying them with a bit of garlic and uh, (laughs) a bit of butter and they're absolutely delicious. So um, having, you know, pots of that type of leafy green, you can grow any time of the year and it will always look good in your garden. It looks lovely and lush. And, um, you know, who cares if somebody, a little bug, has had a bit of a munch on it? Well, if you're taking the outside leaves all the time, you're refreshing the plant. But if a bug does come in, um, and whether it's bok choy or something like celery or chives, just cut it straight off at the base and it continues to grow because that all new growth. Now, it's it's a good time to plant celery. So, um, yeah, plant some celery, some seedlings. It's also a good time to plant um, chilies. Oh, I love chilies. They're such fun in the garden. But I love them because they're so pretty in the garden. Mm. So you can have a pot of chilies and they'll grow nice and big. But they provide all this really interesting foliage and really you can get some with we have little black chilies on them, long chilies, skinny. So they provide this really interesting part of the garden. I love them. Um, chives, parsley, as we talked about before. It's time to plant some coriander. Now, don't. I only ever buy slow bolt coriander in Perth because why? It bolts to seed. So you buy slow bolt coriander and now's a good time to to plant it and grow it and eat it because if you wait till the summertime when we all want to have Thai beef salad with coriander mm. um, or cilantro as they call it in America, you um, it'll be too late. You can't do it in Perth. So we need to eat coriander now. <laughs> Now, the other thing, um, I was told that, you know, because you've got stuff in a pot, it's completely reliant on us. 
because it? it can't go down exactly so water, water feed fertilizer and so this is the same thing with vegetables in a pot definitely and um but you can but that's part of the joy of it because it sort of encourages you and young children visiting or you know anyone to just get outside and you only have to do a little tiny thing in the garden and that's to check the water and the best way to check the water is with your finger so stick your finger into the soil if it comes out with a little bit of soil still attached to it and I'm, once again I'm using hand signals <laughs> if it comes out with a little bit of soil stuck to it then leave it alone don't water it um, because over watering and over loving plants in pots tends to be the the, the biggest uh, uh, cause of demise really isn't the it the potting mix is a bit of a, a funny thing isn't it cheap potting mixes are just like sawdust and wood chips well they're sand really and mm. and the you know in the interest of free draining i guess they go a bit too overboard with uh, with too much sand and and too many wood and they're chips. heavy and they're really heavy to use so i say buy the best quality potting mix that you can possibly afford because otherwise it's a false economy you're going back if you buy a cheap potting mix you're having to use a lot of fertilizer or a lot of compost and other products and then you're changing the mix and you're changing the density of the mix all the time so it's a, a bit hit and miss whereas if you buy a certified potting mix that's a really good quality you'll have very good results i like to add a bit of extra slow release into the the fertilizer or into the potting mix to make sure that there's enough because I think they they put enough in there but I want more I want better well, results sometimes fate more is not better I, I, this is true but it is slow release and it is the gift that keeps on giving Andrea <laughs> and then you know I get out there with my watering can and I can get a lot of mileage out of nine litres of water and two capfuls of liquid absolutely and the thing about um, growing vegetables in pots specifically and also we talked about having beautiful pots of annuals um, and um, the thriller spiller filler pots at our front doors um, these are plants that do need to be fed to keep them looking gorgeous all through the season you need so a, a liquid fertilizer is really good for those but not too much and not too often so so what are your favorite plants uh your thriller filler and spiller Oh, for colour, for colour, like know, now, what are you doing now? So at the moment, um, I just put in, in, I've got two big pots either side of my shed door and yep, I put hand in. Hand signals here, everyone, <laughs> yes. hands are out. <laughs> and I put in um, the jasmine, the flowers in the winter, that beautiful, fragrant jasmine. So Not, not the pink the, jutted, not pink buttered jasmine yes the it pink is butter bun. so not mm. the tracheospermum jasminoides the other one with the finer leaf yes so i planted that and i put in two big trellises so the cone shaped trellises in the center <laughs> of the pots and then i've put in um some aquilegias oh and <gasps> the aquilegias that i bought are these gorgeous ones they're called and they're available in the garden centers at the moment they're called black barlow and they're deep uh, burgundy colour around the outside and, and sort of creamy colour in the centre with that gorgeous aquilegia foliage. So aquilegias are called granny's bonnets. Yeah. And they're the most beautiful flower in a, in a cottage garden. And then the filler for that space is Heuchera Palace Purple. So that is a new plant that I put in last weekend, the new Thriller Spiller Filler for this week. Now, can it. I just halt you for a moment? We've got a break, but please, after that, keep talking. Let's do it. Cut.
Puritan Radio. Now, Andrea, I stopped you midstream with your talking about your beautiful plantings. Oh, that's all right. We were talking about the heuchera. Talking about heuchera. And, like, heuchera is one of a little unsung hero, I think, of uh, container planting uh, because you can buy them quite inexpensively. And I'll just spell heuchera so that everybody knows what they are because I think they're such a gorgeous plant. So it's H-E-U-C-H-E-R-A. And there's so many different varieties and they provide beautiful foliage color in your in your container plants or your hanging baskets or even in a garden bed but really they work very very well in pots um, I did some pots recently for another client where I put ferns in the center of the pots they're quite small pots ferns so a little bit taller the ferns and they were variegated and then I put that gorgeous light lime green heuchera in in around the base of them and they look absolutely Absolutely stunning in a terracotta spot, uh, terracotta pot, in a dark porch. So oh. they almost provide light. So I planted three of them on mass, and they provide light for this dark porch for this client. So she's super happy, and uh, they look lovely and cheerful in a really dark space. So um, sometimes planting, selecting foliage um, is just as good as selecting flowers. And the heuchera does have, it has, gets a tall spike with a tiny weeny little very pretty dainty flower on it. So mm. definitely a good plant to put in. Mm. Can you spell it again? H-E-U. H-E-U. C-H-E-R-A. And the one that I was just speaking about is called Purple Palace. Okay. I oh, Palace Purple, I should say. I have um, a on my northern wall. I get against my garage. Um, I've got a, quite a dark little spot, even though the sun not the summer. The sun doesn't actually come over there, but it's quite dark, and I'd have, love to have a look. I'll at put that. the lime green heuchera. That would be fantastic. Lime green, yes, oh. stunning. So, Gillian, we've got a, some emails in. Um, but big thanks to Paul. He sent us in photos last week of some trees in a park that he overlooks and very high in the trees there were damaged branches uh, but very high up and I suggested you know if any of them had fallen to have a closer look because it's very hard to diagnose trees that are 10 meters up in the air um, and sometimes that can can be the cause of wind that comes through and the branches break but these actually were still looking upright. Anyway, he sent in 19 more photos today. John's only brought me in one, Paul, because he's um, otherwise have, had to print them all and that takes time and cost. Uh, anyway, thank you for that. It does look to me now like birds may have gone in there and chewed the bark off the tree and they do that to sharpen their beaks. So parrots will do this. Uh, so I have a Mary tree that does exactly that and the branches look like that when they fall to the ground. So not the great big branches but just small branches because that's how a Mary mm. sort of uh, operates. And it's usually after the red tails have come in They've eaten the um, the, the nuts. nuts, so all the nuts have dropped. And then a couple of months later, I'll see some branches fall down. Just small branches will fall down, and they have that damage on them. Mm. So that could well be the case. So when when they've damaged the outer bark, it's cut off the sap flow to the rest, and then it causes the the limb to drop. 
yeah. Yep. But it's only a small limb that will drop from well, that. Well, these these were quite big limbs. Right. So he sent this information to Deep Herd. His concern is that it may be a more serious problem like the borer that we talked about recently. Um, it would be good to know because... It would be good it, to know for sure. You know, nobody wants to see trees dying across Perth. No. So good on you, Paul, for getting on to that straight Absolutely. away. Absolutely. Now, um, Faye, can I tell you about the Arcadia Waters in Maddington? Please it's, do. It's hosting a fun-filled anniversary fair to celebrate their beautiful retirement village on Sunday the 3rd of October. Enjoy colourful craft stalls, delicious homemade food, live music, and there's even a belly dancer. Oh, wow. <laughs> I wonder if it's uh, one of the residents. I, it might be. <laughs> Andrea. <right? laughs> it might be the opportunity to tour this lovely or lively community, meet its welcoming neighbourhood and experience all there is on and off at the wonderful place you can call home one day. Save the date and that's Sunday 3rd of October between 10 and 2pm at Arcadia Waters in Maddington, number 99 Burslem Drive, station sponsor. What and fun. that's tomorrow. Sounds, that sounds like a great day out, doesn't it? Tomorrow. Yeah, yes, it indeed it is. That's... I love belly dancers. I think they're so clever. <laughs> Aren't they? And they don't have to be thin. No, that's why I love them more, I think. The bigger the belly, the better the dance. <laughs> Me too. Yeah. yeah. Oh, dear, dear. Anyway, back to gardening. We've got more emails to get through. Sue from Huntingdale has sent us a photo of a lovely plant. It's a succulent and one of my old favourites. As soon as I saw this, I thought I was thinking zigzag plant. That's or, a nana plant. It, it is. Well, my I got my original cutting from my nana. There you go. Lots of years I've ago. I've got some at my front door. I love that plant. Oh, they're, they're gorgeous. Their botanic name is Pedalanthus. Tithamaloides. How do you like that <laughs> one? It's not one we use very often. But it has beautiful pink new foliage and, and it can go green. The pink is from, from stress or bright sunlight, green otherwise. And it does have a, a succulent zigzag stem. It's part of the euphorbia family, so just be careful if you break a piece off because it has got that white milky, milky sap. sap. Yeah. So be careful. Um. We have another one here. Neil said, we were talking about a ground cover that comes in many colours and missed the name. Now, I think the what we were talking about in this one was actually a Kalanchoe and they're quite prevalent around at the moment. Uh, spring flowering, but they will flower in winter. They're another succulent, so they're very hardy and they're a, they're a winner in ev any garden. Beautiful little flowers, aren't they? Oh, the colour range is just to die for. So they would be a good one in your, your potted plants because Absolutely. they're hardy, hardy. low and water need, requirement. Hardy any water. Even I can grow colour and yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Ladies, we have to go to a break. We're back in a moment. Curtain Radio. Well, we now have a call from John. And John is in Warnborough. Uh, and John would like uh, to speak to us about his frangipanis. Hello, John. You're the lucky last today, John. Oh, thank you. Thank you very much. I, I've got a, a lot of white frangipanis, red frangipanis, and a, a golden orange. Now, the golden orange has thrown out some pods. Ah, yes. And, and the question is, if I propagate them, will they go back to white? I wouldn't think so. 
but they can take about 10 months to ripen. So you need to leave them oh. on the plant for many, many months to come. Oh, okay. Thank you. Mm. Okay. Thank so when yeah. it gets close, they'll they'll start to dry up and what you need to do is put a, a paper bag or a stocking over them because when they do split, they're very fluffy and they will otherwise blow, blow away. Oh, okay. Thank you very much. You're welcome. <laughs> Patience Love is a virtue. Thank you. <laughs> All right. Thank you. Thank you, John. Bye. Bye. Thanks, John. Bye. Um, thank you, John, very much for your call. And uh, you've got some more emails? I have. And I hope Ray has been enjoying the, the day at home. Uh, she's recently got a new shade house, so hopefully oh, she'll be pottering in that today. And she sent us in a photo of a beautiful new water oh, feature it looks gorgeous. that's Absolutely been installed. Stunning. Yeah. So, yes, well done to Ray. Hope you're having a good day. Um, Cheryl from Oakford. Oh, I wonder if this was the one that won the Bigger Trees voucher. She had written in to us uh, to say that we gave advice on putting up a shade house and we suggested 50% black shade cloth. So she has had her plants in there now for it was 10 days and can't believe how happy they are. So she said, go for it, Ray, you'll love it. <laughs> and everybody should have a yeah. shade house, shouldn't they, oh, I wish I had room for a shade house. Dreaming. Oh. Greenhouse. Have you got a little house? bit of room beside the house? Oh no, I don't. Oh, but I don't really need it. Okay, I've got, you, you know, get everyone else's gardens to it. play in. Now, I just want to give a rerun on the open gardens that are on this weekend. Romancing the Stone in Maidervale is open for the Amanda Young Foundation, so you can go to their website to find out more. It's on today and tomorrow. Bush Prelude is open today at 31 Hinkler Road in Kalamunda and that's under the banner of Open Gardens WA so you can go to their website for more info. And the Council Council is hosting Anne and Kelvin Baines Beautiful Garden that is at 4 Glenfield Place, Mountain Azura, Rustic Charm, Native Plants and Succulents. So I'm aiming to get to all of them oh, today. Faye, oh, you're going to be busy girl oh, today. Yeah. But I, I have to, Andrea. You know, these I gardeners know. have worked so hard. Absolutely. So hopefully our listeners too get out there and... Absolutely. If because you, you do need, you know, encouragement for all the hard work oh, that they've absolutely. done. And you'll learn something. You will gain more mm. that, you know, you go and find out something, learn something, get a little slip cutting maybe. The food is always great. <laughs> There's always plants good, to buy. And, and if you see me, on the ground, don't they? Just come and say hi. <laughs> <laughs> Always ask first. Yes, yes. But there'll be plants to buy at most of these places too. There's always something to buy there. Well, Bigger Trees is up close Ooh. by too. So, yes. Uh, another email from Paula and she says, Thanks, Ray and Faye, for your good advice on my ginger and garlic growing. If there is any time this morning, I forgot to ask, what should I use to feed them in the pots, please? So, what's a go-to plant, a go-to fertilizer for you, Andrea? Um, well, I would I would use a liquid fertilizer, a seaweed-based liquid fertilizer would be best for the ginger. Mm -hmm. Yep. And of course, you've you've already planted in premium potting mix, which has some slow release. It has in some there. slow release, yeah. So yep. a little bit of slow release, but don't. 
please don't over fertilize things. We hear from people all the time where they over love their plants. They over water and they over fertilize, which brings us to this poor lady in Lansdale who, uh, who have we got there? Karen, Karen. in Lansdale yep. who has obviously over loved her new rose and um, it looks like it's been burnt. All the leaves are falling off and burnt. And um, I think it might be time to buy a new rose. So it was planted with potting mix and rose fertiliser. You know, I hope that it was well watered because if you put put a plant and the roots are exposed and maybe they're, they're damaged or the mix came away when it was planted and it goes into dry mix, that will instantly shock the plant. Well, and once you've burnt the roots, the plant will never recover, sadly, mm. will it, Faye? Well, we've all done that. You know, we all we all have to pray, Andrea. That's so, you know, this is when I put things in the shade house and just, just leave it. Step away. Yes. Just step away and leave them alone. It's always worth it. And yeah. come back later. And sometimes shade houses are magic. I agree. You know, we had a, a rose garden in, in my family home here in Perth, and my aunt attended it with loving care. <clears throat> and she had another friend who used to encourage the She'd dig up, you know, a big area to put in new roses and she'd ask the rubbish truck to come in and he'd dump all his stuff, tin cans and anything that comes out of the rubbish truck those years ago, 30, 40 years ago, or no longer than that. Uh, and then she'd fill it in and she had the best roses up. Uh, well, hopefully it was more uh, garden rub- sort of waste, no, compostable would, waste rather no, it would than have been everything cans. in those days, about <laughs> 50 years ago. <laughs> well, I understood that cans break down and put iron back into the soil, but I, I don't know oh, if rust. that's a myth. No. I think John has told Let's me that, that he's researched. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's what they had to do back in the old days. Everything well, was recycled. Yep. I did fail to mention uh, that also... Remember, folks, today the Rose Society of WA are having their Spring Rose Show and that's at the South Perth Community Hall, corner of Sandgate Street, South Perth. That's today and tomorrow. Today is 1 to 5 and tomorrow is 10 to 4. So Great there's, place to go. And there's have a look lots at some roses. of things to do so this much weekend. To do. No excuses. It's, it's a nice day to get up, really. But there's nothing you can do at home. It's a bit manky. So. I can see sun shining. There's sun. Let's get out there and do something. Yeah, for sure. So exciting. And for Margaret of Mundaring, John came in with some information about the Azalea Splendens. I know this one. It's a rosy salmon pink. It can actually grow to three meters or more. There you so go. you know, and if it's an old one, an old plant, yeah, yep. could but well she, be that. She has got a a, a cutting that, so that if she can take it to her local nursery, can't she? That's right. And, that should be able to identify. Yeah, and they'll yeah. identify it and do all that sort of wonderful stuff. For sure. Quickly, Amanda of Henley Brook sent us in a photo. She wasn't sure exactly what she had here and wanted some plant ID. It is, in fact, an amazing hollyhock. And is that Ooh, one of the best nana plants? super healthy, yeah. It sure does. Yep. And that'll self-sow into the garden beds. Oh, and there's a particular bug that actually comes in and eats the seeds afterwards. So look out for that. Little friends in the garden. All right, I'll leave it there, Gillian, and over to you. Oh, well, thank you. We've got Josie of Mandra, and she wants to know where you can buy the bags of mature mulch. Do we want her to ring us back? Uh, mature, mature compost. compost. Yes. 
Um, I, I don't think I can say where no, we should get it from. Nurseries and garden centres. Nurseries centers. and garden centres will all have really good quality mature compost. All yeah. right, ladies. Well, uh, the gardening show is sponsored by Dats and Mulch and Make Your Garden Grow with Dats Co. Available at all leading garden centres and datco.com. And it's time for me to say thank you very much for all your calls and uh, say goodbye to Let's Talk Gardening. Thank you to Faya Caro my co-presenter and also thank you so much Andrea for being here today with your wealth of knowledge I would absolutely love to see your garden it must be an absolute joy it's quite good (laughs) (laughs) at the moment (laughs) and I expect very very colourful it is yeah I just love colour in my garden mm. now John Gidden Glidden I beg your pardon our guru on the computer has been working really hard this morning and PA Bev uh, out there on the telephone so thank them both very much for coming in I'm Gillian Bush and it's time to hand over the chair to our very own effervescent George Minaldi who will take you through to midday till then enjoy your gardening and the thought for today it's not what you gather but what you scatter that tells the kind of life you have lived bye bye I will see you again tomorrow morning We hope you've enjoyed listening to another edition of Let's Talk Gardening on Curtain Radio. Happy gardening.